Well, good morning, Grace Point. Glad that you are here today. If you're just joining us, we're in this journey, this story through the book of Genesis. It's a redemptive story. And in this book, there's timeless truths that are all throughout it that are still in effect today. And then this redemptive story was unveiled in the, in the Garden of Eden, kind of a, a hint, a promise given, and, and then we're, we're starting to see it played out. And today, there's a really a, a turning point in this book that I'll talk about. But if you have a copy of God's Word or maybe a, a Bible app on your phone, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12. If you do not have a Bible, we have those Bibles in the back. You can uh, borrow one. You can take one if you don't have a Bible. We, we would love for you to have that. Genesis chapter 12. Now, God's redemptive plan, meaning uh, he's going to pursue relationships with human beings, it started with, everything started with one, one man, Adam, and, and started the human race. And, and then we see that with all the evil and wickedness we, we talked about, and, and God, God looked to, to rescue and to save from, from death and, and judgment one family, and that's Noah's family. And, and then after the flood, we talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago, they, they began to spread out and families started, you know, having more families, more families, and then God chose one family to begin one nation, and through that nation, the Redeemer, the Messiah, would come. And that's where we are today. And what's happened is this pivot is in Genesis 12, God going from a general, general relationship with mankind, pursuing them generally, to specific individual relationships for those who would have faith in him. So it's going from the general to the specific, and the redemption clock begins in this chapter. So if you have a, a, have a copy, we'll look at verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Abram, his name would change later to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Here's his promises. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, she would change, God would change her name to Sarah, his nephew Lot and all the possessions that they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haram, I mean all those who worked for Abraham, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. He had appeared to him. Now, God initiated this relationship. See, God is the one that pursues us. We've talked about that several times. And we see here where God initiated. He goes to Abram and said, I want you to follow me. I want you to believe in me. I want you to have faith in me. And Abram responded in faith. And God gave him a number of promises, but I'm going to look at two from this passage. Here's the first promise that God gave to him. 
He said, I will bless you. Obedience always precedes blessings. He says, Are you gonna, if you follow me, I will bless you and make your name great. Now, when we talked about the Tower of Babel and their defiance and rebellion against God to, to, to really fill the earth and scatter and fill, and they said, no, we're staying here. And they said, let us build a tower so that we will make a name for ourselves. See, when we try to make a name for ourselves, it's called pride, and then God has to humble us. But here he says, if you follow me, if you believe in me, I'm going to bless you and I will make your name great. Abraham's name is still great. Judaism loves Abraham. Christianity loves Abraham. Islam loves Abraham. His name is great. For thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, his word is true. God's promises are always kept. He's, Abraham's still in the news. Have you heard of the Abraham Accords? Yes, a couple years ago, 2020, there, there was a huge peace agreement with a number of Arab countries to make peace with Israel. It was historic, and they called it the Abraham Accords, peace accords. See, God's promises are still coming true. The, the second pr uh, promise that I want to talk about is, is this one. He says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The nation that I promised you through you, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed. That is the promise of the coming Messiah through really the lineage of Abraham, through the nation that God promised. That is through him going to be the Messiah. And the day will come where joy to the world, right, the, the Lord has come. And peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's, that, this is all coming from this promise to bless the entire world. The redemptive clock just started. That I'm, I'm going to give you a promise. And he left by faith. And because he left by faith, the redemptive clock started. That the Messiah would eventually come. Now, if, you have a, uh, if you're taking notes, here's the timeless truth today. Timeless truth is this. Faith requires steps of obedience even when we don't see or understand clearly. Because if we could see it all clearly, it wouldn't be faith. If we understood all of our questions that we had and had everything answered, it wouldn't require faith. Faith requires Steps of obedience, even when we cannot see God clearly, we cannot understand God clearly. And this is what Abraham did. He took a step of faith and obeyed God. Faith means I'm going I'm to place my trust. I'm going to place my trust even though I don't have it all figured out. Even though I don't have it all figured out. And that, that, this is a picture of Abraham. Turn to your right to chapter 15, uh, a number of years later. Chapter 15, verse 1. The Lord's covenant with Abraham. This is what it is. It says, after this, meaning after some time, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, do not be afraid, Abram. If you read 
you know, chapter 13 and 14, he, he was scared and he wasn't operating in faith. He kind of tried to do some things on his own. So God said, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children. I mean, kind of hard to start a nation without any children. You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now that last verse, verse 6, is one of the most significant verses in all of Scripture. Very significant. In fact, thousands of years later, uh, Paul was writing the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, and he's talking about faith. And he was talking to faith in a culture of works. That you need to work your way to heaven, work your way to good standing with God, work your way. And he uses this quote, and he said, Abraham believed the Lord, and God credited it to him, his faith to him, as righteousness. Meaning, Abraham was in right standing with a holy God. It was because of his faith. Wasn't because he kept the law of Moses. Guess what? Moses hadn't been born yet. The law hadn't been given. He took a step of faith. He believed what he did not understand clearly. He couldn't see clearly, but he believed it anyways. It was a step of obedience. That's what faith is. And God said, right there, right there, he's in right standing forever and ever with me. And really the, the debate since, the, since, you know, really all of mankind trying to, you know, earn their way to heaven. Like we talked about last week with the Tower of, of Babel. We try to, it's a work-based thing. And no, 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 Abraham is the model that it's about faith, trusting and believing in God. Even when you don't see clearly, even when you don't understand clearly. It's absolutely, absolutely important. So faith, there are some steps. The first step is salvation. The first step of faith is saying, I can't save myself in front of a holy God. I'm a sinner. Uh, the, the wages of sin is death. But to be rescued from death, be rescued from the judgment of God, it takes faith, a step of faith and obedience to trust in Jesus. The Bible says it's a gift, all right? It's not of works. It's all about grace. You didn't, don't deserve it, can't earn it. Salvation by faith is a gift. It takes faith to receive that gift. Now, praise God, we have seen a number of, of adults and teenagers and children take a simple 
step of faith and obedience and has accepted the free gift of salvation since Easter. I think it's 122 individuals have trusted in Christ. And it, they didn't understand it all. I, I was five years old when I trusted in Jesus. I still remember coming home from Sunday school and asking some questions to my mom as she made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on a house on Woodridge Way. Can't say that very fast. And I asked her some questions, went back into my room, and I knew I had a choice to make. Am I going to trust in Jesus as my Savior or not? And I don't know why I did this, but I crawled underneath my bed, I'm back to the ground, and I held on to the box springs, and I prayed a simple prayer, childlike faith, and said, I trust Jesus as my Savior. I trust Jesus as my Savior. I remember that so clearly. I didn't see everything clearly. How could I? I didn't understand everything. How could I? Abraham didn't either. He never went to Sunday school like I did. They didn't have those then. <laughs> he didn't have the word of God like I did. He took a step of faith. And as five years old, I did the same, and I still remembered it. It was a step of obedience. So as we have people all the time, and I love this, love this, love this, who attend Grace Point or come to Grace Point, and they're, they're on this faith journey, but they don't have faith yet. Now, let me just challenge you. Ask questions, because the Bible does have answers. It, it is faith, but it's not a blind faith. But there comes a point where you could keep asking questions and miss heaven altogether. There comes a point where you have to take a step of obedience called faith. Okay, God, I don't understand it all. I can't see. I still got lots of questions, but by faith, I'm trusting in you. The second step of obedience is baptism. Baptism does not save you. Baptism goes, means you, you went public that you have trusted in Jesus. And people hold back like, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know enough yet. I need to learn more. I, don't under, I need to learn more. No, you don't. Have you trusted in Jesus? The Bible says believe and be baptized. Those who believed were baptized. They went public. Well, you know, my faith is, is just between me and God. Faith has never been private or secret. It has been, always been public. That's why there's baptism. You go public with your faith in Jesus Christ. Is it scary? Yes. Is the water holy? No. It's just wet. But it's a picture that you trusted in Jesus that died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. Our next Sunday baptism is November 20th. Like TJ said in the video to open the service, three teenagers already signed up. Go to our website, gracepointkissup.com. On the top menu, find the events little button. And when you click there, the first thing you're going to see is November 20th, Baptism Sunday. Click on that link, follow it, follow it. You have to share your faith story. And don't say, well, I don't, I don't have everything figured out. No, when did you trust in Jesus? You share that. And then you'll take a step of faith. After that, guess what we have? We have lifetime steps. Lifetime steps of living by faith. 
I, I keep making faith choices all the time. It is a lifestyle of living by faith. Do I have more knowledge today than when I did at five? I would hope so. All right? You, you should do. But it is a lifestyle of faith. Okay, faith is those steps of obedience that are required even though you cannot see or understand clearly. I, I'm going to give you some, some, uh, some of my faith story. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to give you some more. So when I was, I was saved when I was young, and, and, and in junior high, I had some questions, and I came to a point where I, you know what, yes, I, I truly did trust in Jesus back then, and I haven't had any doubt since. But it wasn't until I was a junior in high school that I really began to place Jesus as my Lord. I mean, meaning he's in charge of my life. And when I took that step of like, you know what, I have... I have faith, but now I'm going to really trust Jesus as my Lord. Um, it cost me friendships. It, it, but I just, I'm just going to keep walking by faith. And so then I had the question about where am I going to go to college? Where am I going to go to college? And I was hoping to you know, play basketball somewhere. And, and I did a radical thing. I asked God to help me. I'm, and I pray this as a junior in high school. God, I don't know where I should go. But you do. So just direct my paths and make it clear, and then I'll, I'll go where you, you want me to go. And there was a church, uh, there's a church, there was a college in Southern California that I was offered a basketball scholarship, went down there, and the whole time I was there on campus, I had uneasiness in my, in, in, inside in my spirit. I just... I was like, I could see myself in here. It would be cool to stay in California, uh, super close to the beach. But I, I just didn't have, I didn't have peace. Then my senior class took a senior trip from San Jose, California to uh, Washington, D.C. And then uh, right after that trip, I went down in central Virginia and visited Liberty, uh, now University. And within five minutes walking that campus, God doesn't talk to me out loud, but I know when it's God and not the evil one. And it was like God saying, this is where I want you. Within five minutes, and I had no basketball scholarship. Walked on, um, but I just went by faith. I just, okay, God, I think, I think this is where you want me to go. Had no idea some cute girl named Candy would, would be there too, all right. But I went 3,000 miles away and went because I believed God was leading me. Did I see everything clearly, understand? No way. It was a step of faith. In my freshman year, um, I had enough money to, to pay for myself because um, my parents, you know, Bonnie, Barry, Betty, Becky, Bobby, Lady, Brindy, and later Bradley, um, there was no money. And I was, my next door neighbor was a painting contractor and I'd worked to save, 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 save. So I, I paid my freshman year. When I'm there on campus, I realized my faith was pretty small. My God was pretty small. But all during that freshman year, chapter after chapel, speaker after speaker, talking about God stretching your faith and God you know, yielding to the, to the direction of God. And when God tells you to go, you go and, and, and you do and you stay and you do this and that and you trust in God even if it doesn't make sense. My whole freshman year I heard that. Went home in the summer, painted every day, 
in the summer except for Sundays. But I knew I didn't have it all paid. I, I didn't have it all. And I was struggling. Do I go back? And a friend of mine goes, where does God want you to go? And I said, I think God wants me to go back to Liberty. He goes, then what's the problem? God used him to, to okay, I bought a ticket. And we didn't have online registration. We, called, we had a thing called a lines. All right? And it was a long line. And the whole time I'm going, I don't have enough money. But I'm here. And I wait in the line and I get up to there and they said, okay, how much, you know, it's, it's this much. And, um, you know, how much do you have? And I said, I have this much. And I, I you know, I'm wrote a check, you know, and I, I, it was all I had. And they said, okay, so how much um, are your parents able to pay? And I said, nothing. And she looked up from the table. <laughs> okay, so monthly, how much can you afford? Nothing. And she just looked at me like, what are you doing here? And something came out of my mouth that I didn't plan. I said, God wants me here, and I'm not leaving. And I was like, where'd that come from? And she just looked at me, and she goes, you need to go to that table. So I went over to a few more tables, and the same thing, how much can you do, and how much your parents, and I said, we got nothing, you know, and, and you need to keep, and I kept moving tables. And finally I got to this table, I'm like, they're going to send me home. And out comes it again, and I actually hit the table. I said, all I've learned last year here is to trust God, motions. Trust God and go by faith. And God wants me here, and I hit the table, and I'm like, and I'm not leaving. <laughs> and she left. <laughs> and next thing I know, they're handing me a key to my dorm. And I'm like, I'm moving in fast. <laughs> I moved in and started classes, and, and I kept waiting to be removed, and, and I knew I had this much, and I looked around campus. Anytime I heard a, a job opening on, 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 at the cafeteria, I mean, I heard anybody at the cafeteria, and I would go to the cafeteria, hey, I need to apply for, you know, on-campus job, and I got, we, we filled the last position five minutes ago. And I'm like, oh. And a, a little bit later, I saw another one on, on the grounds, you know, mowing lawns. And I'm like, that, I'd like to ride one of those. And we went in there, and I said, hey, I'm applying for the opening. And they said, oh, we just filled that position five minutes ago. That happened like five, six different times. Same thing, we just filled the position five minutes ago. I remember walking back to my dorm, and I'm like, God, I'm here, and it's your bill. Because I'm here by faith. I don't got, I'm trying. I kept going to classes. I kept going to classes. I didn't tell my parents anything. The only person I told was God and this girl I was pursuing. But then a week before finals, I go to my mailbox. I don't know why I went there because my family never mailed me anything. And I went there and I saw a slip that said, you are not able to take your finals. Because you have $800. And I was, I, that was like, only $800? Where did the rest go? I have no idea. But you cannot take your finals until you pay the $800. And if you don't pay it, the entire pretty much year, you won't get any credits. It'd be a wasted year. So I walked back, 
And I told God again, you got a bill. <laughs> and I, I, I checked other jobs. We just filled it five minutes ago. I'm like, God's your bill. And I prayed this. As my faith was growing. God, I need 800 I need $820 cuz I want to take candy out <laughs> for dinner. I need $820. And I said I'm going to class. And the day before finals started, I was down. Uh, I better check my box. Candy's on the other side of the post office. I opened up my box and there was an envelope from my home church. No letter, no nothing but a check for $820 right on the dot. I screamed and I ran and I'm yelling. I don't care what people are like, yeah, Dave, look what God did. 820, we're going out. And my faith grew. Faith requires steps of obedience, even when you don't see or understand clearly. Abraham was like, he's like the most valuable faith person. In fact, Galatians 3 says, if you place your faith in Jesus, Abraham's your father. He's the father of faith. He's the first one by faith. It was counted to him, credited it to him as righteousness. So if you want a faith like, like you've never experienced before, you need an Abraham-like faith. You need Abraham-like faith. Abraham-like faith will require three things. First of all, it will require leaving. Leaving. He would have never seen the answers to his promises if he stayed where he was. He had to leave. He left his old life. He left his friends. He left his country. He left his family. And he followed by faith. Faith requires leaving. I think the pivotal part of my grown-up years is that junior year in high school, I made one of the hardest decisions a teenager ever could make. God convicted me I was in an unhealthy, ungodly relationship with a girl. And I walked away. It was hard. But the God, God, knew I, he goes, God knew, I can't take you where I want to take you until you leave what you shouldn't be involved in. You have to leave. You have to leave old habits. You have to leave old life. You might have to leave old friends that are not godly. There's this thing about you can't be worldly and be friends with God. Worldly means not living in the world. It, it means that you're a part of things that have nothing to do with God. They don't want God involved in it at all. You cannot be friends with the world and be friends with God. They're, it's at, they're at enmity with each other, Galatians says. It, it, Hebrews is the hall of faith. This is kind of the backstory, kind of commentary to Abraham. It, it says this in verse 8, by faith, Abraham, who when called to go to a place where he would receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, right? He left, even though he did not know where he was going. God's not going to tell you where he's going to take you until you leave where you are. You can't experience the new without leaving the old. You can't. You can't. 
Some, many people, they, they trust in Christ's faith, and then they use God as a spare tire. I'm going to put it in the back of the trunk, and then I'm going to live my life. And, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And then we, our choices put us, you know, flattens our tires. We end up in the ditch. And then we get in the trunk. We take the spare tire of God out, put God on. He gets us out of the ditch. Then we take him back off, throw him back in the trunk. That is not living by faith. That is leaving God in the trunk is not going to get you anywhere but in more ditches. He needs to be right there with himself and himself along with the steering wheel. Okay, God, I place my faith in you, salvation. Now lead my life, lead my future, lead my career, lead my choices. But you have to leave where you are to go where God wants to take you. Secondly, Abraham-like faith will require is living. It's living. Living the way God would want. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, it says this, By faith he, Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And it says this, and he lived in tents along with, you know, Isaac and Jacob. He, he left, but how he was living, he was living like a stranger. Why? Because he was a stranger. He was an alien. That, that wasn't where he grew up. He had left his home, and he lived like a stranger. And it says he lived in tents. Abraham was wealthy. Abraham had a whole bunch of employees, and he chose to live in tents. He, could have, he easily could have afforded a permanent location, but he left, meaning this is not my home. I, I'm just here. I'm here by faith. I'm a stranger. I'm an alien. I'm a foreigner. And his living that way, and I'm not telling you to sell your house and get out of your rental apartment or whatever and go live in a tent underneath a Warren Bridge. It, it's, it's a mentality as this is not my home. This is not my home. And it, now, do I, do I fix up my house and I, I've done DIY projects and done my bathroom? Yes. I put a new roof on and painted it and all this sort of stuff. Yes. But it's just sticks. It's, it's, it's just a place to live, and it will not always be mine. We, sometimes we get so fixated on here and now, and that's how we are living. Are you, are you, are you living by watching politics and elections like, like someone on crack? <laughs> what? Guess what you're going to be? You're going to be stressed out and fearful. Should you vote? Absolutely. Be a good citizen. But you go so fixated on living here, our hope will never be in Washington, D.C. or in Olympia. How are you living? Are you fixated here or like, no, I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner to this earth. I'm not going to be focused so hard on that. Abraham's living was affected by the third Abraham-like faith you have to have is where he was looking. His living affected his looking. Okay? And his looking affected his living. In verse 10, in uh, Hebrews it says, For he, Abraham, was looking forward to the city with, founda uh, with foundations whose architect and builder was God. He was looking toward heaven. That affected his living. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just a foreigner here. Why? Because he's looking beyond. He's looking for what's beyond, the next. We're looking for heaven. You know, I'm, I'm just intense here. And we get so excited. Oh, look at, it's, it, look at all the brick. Awesome. It's brick. It sticks. Where our home in heaven is gold. All right? It is vastly different. Colossians, one of my favorite verses is this. Since then, if you have been raised with Christ, meaning you trusted in Christ, you experienced a new resurrection, your new life. If that's true, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so too many people who say, my faith is in Jesus, but my mind and my heart is on earthly things. Those, don't, those are not compatible. Set your hearts, your emotion, your passion on things above where Christ is. And set your minds, what you're thinking about, what you're marinating on, what you're focused on, on things above, not on earthly things. So where are you looking? Where's your focus? See, faith requires... It's not optional. It requires steps of obedience. You take a step of faith. Maybe it's today. You need to finally, you've asked tons of questions. Like, you know what? I need to today place my trust in Jesus. And I'll continue my search and my education and stuff and learn more as we go. But I know enough now of who Jesus is and what he's done. But today I'm going to take that step and receive that free gift of salvation. I'm saying this because if you've been here a number of times, I've already told you time and time again what you should pray. I'm a sinner. <laughs> My sin has separated me from you and God. But I'm trusted in Jesus. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you are so messed up because your eyes are looking down, living here. You have to leave. How are you going to live? What are you looking at? What are you looking forward to? That's the Abraham is our example. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this man of faith that uh, really changed the course of human history. And his faith made all the difference. And God, I pray that you would draw people to a saving faith that have already been learning and asking and searching you today by faith. I need to say yes to you. And Lord, I pray that you would also challenge us that you cannot take us where you want to take us until we leave where we're at. Leave the things that are hindering us to living by faith. Lord, I pray that you take this and draw application on every single person of what you are asking of us today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.